This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hello, I'm Alif Baharuddin. You're tuned in to the show that brings you closer to the people and places of our capital city. Kay Azrael Ismail is a very passionate academic that's also into vintage photography and image making like daguerreotype and wet plate collodion. In his pursuit of looking for an ideal mobile setup, he recently bought a decommissioned ambulance that he has converted into a mobile darkroom. He joins me on the show this week via Zoom to share how he arrived at the decision of purchasing an ambulance. Okay, um, well this particular purchase is more like a serendipity and um, it's more like impromptu as well. This is something that I saw uh, while actually perusing through the uh, one of the social media's marketplace. And I saw like uh, almost like immediately that somebody was selling this particular ambulance unit. So I was curious and I went and contacted the said fellow and actually I saw it and almost immediately fell in love with it because I saw the practicality and answers to a, a whole lot of challenges I, um, that usually comes around when doing these processes because um, the uh, the challenges what I'm saying here is uh, the amount of equipments that one has to bring, the setup uh, and also the, uh, the supply of running water as well. So because uh, you need all the uh, particular ways and methods to sustain these images without degradations of, of, well, considering our weather is very, very hot and very humid as well, which is not a good thing if it remains to be, um, well, well, well making, making works with this process. So, uh, even in fact, like this particular ambulance have enough room uh, at the back to set up everything. Uh, literally all my chemistries, all the uh, equipments could be fitted in and actually could very comfortable, very, very comfortable to work inside it. Um, it's nothing of a new, actually. People who utilize transportation uh, to place in darkroom in transportation, this has been done as well in the 19th century. Horses, carriages, uh, caravans, uh, all sorts, even the contemporary practitioners overseas that we saw them. Some are even, yes, uh, use ambulance buses, uh, what was it, recreational vehicles and all sorts, just as long as that they are able to produce this work. So I saw the opportunity and actually did the mo- sort of minor modification, almost little modification was needed. So, and certainly then, then I sort of, we, uh, I see the utility could actually extend the, um, my travels uh, regionally as well. So that I could actually like bring about without worrying too much that I have to rush back to my studio uh, to process further and all that. I see. So so the mobility like it's it's actually a I guess crucial part in 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 making that decision to actually buy the ambulance. You actually like having that mobility of being able to process your photos immediately after you have taken them. I guess. Yeah, it's it's sort of way is an upgrade because I, I've been doing works outdoor in the past as well uh, it was small at first it was at the back at a at the boot of the trunk of my car small tiny dark or darkened area uh, which is black cloth and all that then it's a portable what we call it as dark box which is a box size more slightly larger than a briefcase 
to develop the plate. And then, of course, then I, of course, I upgraded to a slightly larger space, but very, very hot and very humid, which is a, a working dark tent. Considering our weather is very, very hot, so it's, it's not comfortable at all. Uh, considering the air movement was a bit stifled and it's very, very much uh, not a pleasant uh, experience. And it's almost like a continuous upgrade uh, to work, um, to find solutions and actually to work more and more uh, comfortable area uh, to do what I do. Mm. The decision was made initially because you actually have a specific purpose for it, but you also have started, I guess, engaging, you know, making workshops and I guess exposing people to to the concept of a dark room, right? Is, is that part of the thought process as well when you bought this ambulance? Well, it's it's a bonus uh, to do demonstrations, and actually, people are curious as well, considering that is that it is still remain looks like an ambulance. It has a presence. It's not like a regular colored uh, truck or van, and people are sort of we paying attention a little bit more, and like a strange fellow with a wood big wooden camera coming out from it in and out. And as an ambulance, it certainly does have its own sets of uh, we are calling for attention. However, I mean, like, it, it's a pleasant thing. I mean, like, uh, to see locals and actually they, they were asking what, what I was doing and I showed them what I do. And it caught fascination by many and interest. And they were asking whether these sort of things can still be done in the current present day, which is, it is still possible and fundamentally as well. Uh, this process, I think even in the past, I did mention that the, it's still uh, the fundamental basic of it is always science. So art and science has never actually parted ways in this uh, particular disciplinary area. And so is some other disciplinary track as well. So it's been made to easily understood in such a way like, wow, okay, it can be done this and this and that way. And image makings, of course, is a strange thing. Uh, towards this is almost, uh, I would say, theatrical uh, when producing the image in situ where the image pops up before their eyes and there you go. It's almost like a, it's, it's a pleasant thing uh, to see if there are viewers that look at how I do work and they say, wow, okay, it can, it can still be done. And um, yeah, it's, it's pretty much um, sort of way it, has its own mini demonstration to local passerbyers, I suppose. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Um, and I, I would like to, I guess, talk deeper about that. But uh, just to go back to the ambulance again, I mean, the purchase was made for a very practical reason. But did you ever mm -hmm. think about, I guess, you know, I, I don't know whether you're a reflective kind of person. I would like to think you are. But, you know, have you ever thought of like, you know, oh my God, you know, ambulance is usually closely associated with, you know, people who are sick, you know. Um, so did you ever think about these things, you know, when it comes to purchasing the vehicle or was it a very practical purchase that, you know, that you like didn't even think about the narratives or the story behind an ambulance or this particular <laughs> ambulance perhaps? I know. I mean, like so it, considering the, the age of nowadays, it's like the presence of an ambulance is always bad news, uh, isn't it? I mean, like having a drive around maybe it's a pleasant thing because people stay away from you they sort of leave you alone <laughs> at a respectable distance um it is practicality that that actually comes first um i, I don't ask about the history of the ambulance i don't want to know 
I mean, like uh, in terms of like uh, some people say, hey, did, did you know if the ambulance had a lot of attachment to it or what? And I said, no, no, no. I mean, like that's not the whole point of things. I mean, like if something was there in presence, uh, pretty much I can't do much about it because I find quite a big amount of comfort. Even I named the ambulance as well. I call it as tofu. It's kind of cute. Yeah, I mean, like it's because it has this beautiful cream. You know, I like the old ambulance or government issued uh, vehicles. Um, in the past, it has a cream color to it. Um, it's just one of those things. Yeah, I call it tofu. So pretty much, um, there's an infinity attachment, and tofu has a uh, has its own <laughs> behaviors as well, like all other vehicles. Uh, it has its own sets of jealousies or things. So <laughs> it's sort of where has a has a synergy as well uh, of a relationship. But I'm not saying that that's like sort of. Uh, absolutely there but i think it's a nice thing as well to actually have that kind of a attachment to things mm. how old is the ambulance well it's roughly it certainly is about uh let me see if i could recall it correctly 2006 so that would be 2006 15 16 16 years to be fair about 16 years old hmm do you have to have a special license to actually drive an ambulance or even like a special permission considering that it's an out-of-commission ambulance, but still, yeah. Well, it's a decommissioned ambulance. So you can't drive around with the siren uh, attached to it. So that has to be taken off. And certainly the, uh, the, crescent, the crescent moon, that has to be rubbed out from it and the word ambulance as well. Because certainly you don't want to confuse people and I don't want people to flag me as well if there are any in- incidents that requires an ambulance. Um, but the colours remain. Some people ask me, is it alright if the colours are to be there? I say it's fine. Just as long as it follows the, uh, the specs of GPJ, uh, which is three colours for a vehicle and it's the choice of a person to whatever colours of his or her choosing. So in terms of permission per se, yeah, uh, there are two, um, to carry out something of this sort of thing, there are two ways or methods. One, if you turn it around, turn it into a company van, or you can actually turn it, well, you can facilitate a bit further, camper van or mobile home or, you know, mobile camper. I mean, you've seen those around, uh, people converting trucks, uh, large vehicles, lorries, um, to even buses as well to be a mobile home so they do have a special case for that in which you have to install in a bed and probably a portable toilet as well inside but there are some practicalities you can actually utilize it uh, to serve the purpose hmm. you said that you had to do minor modifications how minor was it and like yeah what was the process like actually well very minor I mean considering that I I own the, the whole thing is a pretty much large space, uh, a few chairs at the back uh, in which is uh, not needed to be uh, pulled out or anything. Uh, all I have to do is just take out the stretcher. Now uh, You have a platform for the stretcher to hold securely in place at one, I have to take it out. Uh, the cabinets remain the same uh, and actually it's very nice because it's modul- modular and compartments, ample of compartments. Uh, to fit in my uh, equipments, chemistries, uh, gears, and so forth. Um, and I just like have to do uh, a bit of uh, grease work and making a sink, but that's not an issue. All it is is just water in the outlet. 
and um, and just fix the wiring uh, that is uh, the usual wear and tear as time goes by. So that's pretty much it. And of course, uh, oh yeah, another one which is I had to tint uh, the back portions or the windows at the back portion of the uh, the dark room to make it light safe for me to to conduct my practice. That was K. Azrael Ismail, a photographer that had recently converted a decommissioned ambulance into a mobile dark room. We're going for a short break. Stay tuned. I'm Hanif Baharudin and you're listening to I Love KL on PFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, you're listening to I Love KL, bringing you closer to the people and places of our capital city. I'm Hanif Baharudin. Joining me on the show today via Zoom is K. Azrael Ismail. Azrael is a photographer who owns an ambulance that he had converted into a mobile dark room. Kind of like a mini studio for him to process all the photos that he captures. While dark room is pretty crucial in making and printing images, its usage has not been as popular since the industry has gone digital. So I'm going to get Azrael to help explain what a dark room is. Okay, um, a dark room is where we, well actually, to those that practice film or practice the, uh, the actual meaning of photography which chemically uh, based processes to develop film, to develop photographic papers which produces uh, silver based images and the condition to it is it requires a specific darkened condition, not absolutely pitch black but uh, with red light uh, pretty much is uh, a lot, uh, to block the blue light or the ultraviolet uh, light out uh, from, the, prem- from the, uh, the premise of the operation. Uh, it requires uh, very few or little condition, uh, but absolutely that's a must. So the lights are needed to be controlled. At least uh, the temperature of the environment needs to be not overly bearingly heat or heated up. Uh, water is necessary, so we do need a running supply of water because it requires a lot of washes in between the chemical usage. So we do need that as well. So that's pretty much it. I mean, like of course you have the usual tools that is uh, such as the photographic enlargers, uh, the equipments to develop it, uh, photographic trays. Um, but one thing that one can find pleasantry in terms of in a dark room, it's sort of way darkened condition, but it's still uh, visible because there's red lights everywhere. Uh, you would you find it very soothing, very calming because it's always there's a running water. So imagine like a hearing running water all the time is very, very therapeutic as well. So in that specific condition, it's like you almost don't feel the time flies. <laughs> I always thought that the red light can be quite alarming, actually. So does the running water actually offset the foreboding, I guess, feeling of you know being in a in a room, dark room that's with with red light as well. Well, I'm I'm curious. Uh, how would you um, see it as alarming on the red light? I don't know. It just feels. I mean, not only that the room is kind of dark, but it's the red light makes me feel a bit, I guess, anxious as well. Yeah, cla- yeah, it can be claustrophobic. Yeah, true. Uh, some would see that not to say um, yeah it, it is claustrophobic I do agree to those who are not used to it but once once the uh, the operator understood the serving purpose 
because the um, the films or the uh, even the processes uh, what we call it as autochromatic uh, pretty much sense it is sensitive to all other frequency of light except for red uh, that's the condition that we can work in another way is actually to fit in more lights in so at least it's a whole lot more brighter it's not totally dark uh, it's not totally darkened I mean like I mean it's fine to have it well lit as well uh, because it's well lit in the sense of a whole lot of red light just as long as the frequency is correct I see uh, so it, it's not all pitch black or anything so it's still visible to our eyes to do what we do okay how long does the process usually take? well if we minus aside the, the prep because 80% uh, well the things that you see is the 10 to 15% the behind the scene the prep, the mixing, the washing of the glasswares and all that, I, it's not, it's nothing glamorous on that one. <laughs> it's, that one takes a whole lot of time. Okay, let's minus that. In terms of the process itself, okay, um, setting up the gear, okay, minus that. Uh, in terms of process, it's barely five minutes. Barely five minutes. Uh, reason being is it's like all it takes just uh, about three minutes, uh, let's say to, well, well, a minute to coat the plate, three minutes to sensitize it, put it in a plate holder, photograph the image or the person. Usually it depends on whatever exposure amount of time. Let's say about uh, half a minute. And then you go back in and then you pour in the developer um, and you fix it on the spot. It's probably about five to 10 minutes at the very most. Um, it's not that too long. Like one would see it. Yeah, the way I look at it, it's even faster than film. <laughs> so... Uh, wet plate collodion process that's the one that i'm describing right now uh, in which it produces uh, sort of way what we call as the victorian polaroid of the day because you see the image um, surface before your eye and in sort of way it's uh, you can either consider to make it as a negative or you just have it remain as a positive and it's a one-of-a-kind images as well when you decided to buy the ambulance it was done because you always Need to process what you capture immediately, right? Is that your workflow when it comes to when it comes to I guess photography? Do you always feel the need to urgently process whatever you have captured? It's something that I recently developed as well. I don't like to waste time. Not to say waste time. Uh, there's a word to let me see. In Bahasa, we call it liquor. I, I guess idle is the closest word to it i mean putting off things um i've done enough of that in my fair share of my time and i regretted my moments which uh things that i, I decided to put off the yeah, opportunities of like okay let's let's photograph this person uh and uh, i don't feel like it. it's it's tiring and all that and and putting it off and suddenly the opportunity is lost because of certain condition the person fell ill or passed away and so forth so i think most of the time i just say just just have it done and it actually in um almost immediately um even as of now i i feel like it affects my mannerism my characteristic that just don't put off anything just just go and do it uh things needs done that's what I think quintessentially I, I embedded myself as an artist or practicing artist that, it, that what I do must be created 
so it must be manifested in one way or the other without any any delay or or at the yeah, the very best it needs to be done so the ambulance is one of the consideration as well so that it doesn't get delayed or it just enlighten uh, the path to create works mm, i see Um, you said earlier that you've, I guess, you've always had a mobile setup, and I guess the ambulance is the natural progression from having a very like small setup, the trunk of your car, and also all the way to an ambulance, right? So, do you think that this is this is the end game here, or are you gonna go like perhaps in a rent a small, small <laughs> a lorry, yeah, yeah <laughs> or a large forty foot container? <laughs> <laughs> well, out of practicality as well, I think this is this is a good fun. Well, although I would I wouldn't say it's like hundred percent mobile because I went to a really rural kampung area with this particular ambulance is huge, uh, and it's almost like a fourteen feet long. I if I'm not mistaken, it's very long as well. So taking corners is is certainly it's a chore, like uh, having making a like a tight U turn on suddenly a small narrow road which barely a car would fit, and um, it has its sets of challenges as well. Uh, going through uh, small spaces and places, uh, but when you ask whether if it's an end game, uh, I don't think so. I mean, like uh, I'm sort of envisioning short term goal, I believe, um, to explore spaces uh, and places uh, regionally, at the very least, local states at the beginning. Um, I can sort of way. Um, I I I felt a, a good. Uh, attachment on the northern side of Malaysia for now, uh, like Perak, uh, Perlis, Kedah, uh, maybe Penang. I haven't been to. Well, I've been to Penang and uh, but not extensively explored as yet. Well, I haven't fully explored um, in many places, and I just like to just drive and and see what what I see and see what needs to be done. So it's unknown to pre-visualize. It's like some would ask, "Is that what do you plan to do?" I say, "I would." What I believe is just uh, create works, be it photography, be it poetry, music, well, not music, sound, art, or whatnot. It's some something that I learned along the way when I recently um, sat down with one of the sound artists, Kamal Sabran. I found a great amount of self. Reflective value that I'm not limited only to like one process. So it's it's a wonderful thing to understand the the spirit of thing. It's like it's like the whole thing is just a tool. You you create what needs to be done and have fun at it. It's no pressure. Mm. Um, going back to what you said earlier about the sense of quote-unquote urgency. I'm just going to use that term loosely to, to I guess, I develop or immediately process the photos that you took. I have a friend who's also into film photography, although he, he doesn't develop his own film or process his own photos. And he did tell me that, you know, um, one of the reasons why he likes uh, film photography is that at least he doesn't have that room to actually correct his mistakes. It's not there. And he's willing to actually wait for... The photos to be processed, and you know, as much as it's time-consuming, he's willing to, I guess, send it over to a shop to get it processed, and look at his result afterwards, which is kind of like interesting, considering that he's actually quite an impatient person as well. In, you know, if I may say so, but actually, he's yeah. When it comes to photography, I mean, he he dabbles in digital photography as well. But he said one of the reasons why he likes film photography, apart from I guess the aesthetics or whatnot, is also the fact that there's there's less room for error. 
and therefore he he needs to make sure that he gets the photos right the first time around and the fact that he has to wait to see the results also makes it a bit more i guess appealing to him no it's fine um, my reflection on that i mean like the twitch their own i i don't go look for i, I well i've been practicing this for i think 10 years in terms on photo historical process but film based i've been practicing a long time so accumulatively 30 years uh, i can understand his position on things and actually i don't embrace it anymore i actually celebrate and enjoy making errors it's uh, it's a steep learning curve you know it's, it's like um, to do what i do uh, what i meant by it is like there, there's a whole lot of errors be it chemistry be it environment be it arrogance as well i'm saying overconfidence so you think that you know the exposure time and all that and suddenly just nothing turns out and apparently yeah it, it got to me it, it taught me many lessons and actually i enjoy every mistakes uh the way I, and i would go wow okay it's i'll give an example uh, there was one image that i made in in penang over in usm um recently posted in, on ig this is something i don't share but pretty much it's like it's It's something like this. It's like I made the image. It appears beautifully on the first go, um, and apparently there was a misstep uh, in which it wasn't noted in the literatures. In the literatures, that it says that usually this would occur on the, on the tenth minute, but apparently it's less than less than two minutes. It happened before my eyes. The whole thing just white black, goes black, darken. And I say, wow, okay, this is in in the literatures. It's only it, they say ten minutes, but in front of my eyes, it's just immediately less than two minutes. What's going on? So it happens right before your eyes when everything is just something beautifully. It's very uh, what's that word? It's like ephemeral, ephemeral, just vanish before your eyes. Immediately vanish. It was a reason because I didn't add in another step, which is to wash it off properly. But I didn't know that it would occur. I, I mean, like I, I was confident that it wouldn't occur if uh, within well that amount of time, which is ample, 10 minutes to have it washed properly. Then it's sort of way. Um, I enjoyed that. I mean, I enjoy it. it happens, and I had a few respectable friends around me, and I, I was excited more than anything. I said, "Wow, okay, this is something new." I like it. I enjoy it. Of course, then after that, the the image after was fine, uh, because I attended to those mistakes. So it's okay. Room for errors are fine. I I don't mind that. But I I believe your your good friend is more of a outcome oriented. He wants the best image out, and so that um so that it sort of way satisfy him, or satisfy his audience. For me, I like to satisfy myself. In such a way that is uh, something that, uh, a learning and earning experience, so it is is enjoyable that way. By all means, it's like I love not to say I love making mistakes. I love mistakes that actually taught me a whole lot of thing about myself. Mm, yeah, that that's a very interesting perspective. Um, is satisfying the audience like a, a big? Thing among yeah photographers, or is it more about the the self satisfaction thing? Well, I, I, out of fairness, I can't answer that appropriately because I I don't know. 
I haven't asked enough image makers to say it's, some of them have that directive. Um, for me, it's like I, I don't find it enjoyable to satisfy the audience because you have anxieties. I had anxieties and worry before considering like what would people think and it's stifling. Uh, the process you know, on its own, it just hinders a whole lot of things. It hinders um, making the results, um, making the proper understanding. And it's technically for me, it's a bit dishonest as well. If your aim is for the audience and you sort of way, uh, put a framework in your head, so no, it has to be this and that. And actually you don't let things come as it is and and do what needs done. So you do the way I look at it is like do the best as you wish that you you can, uh, and be not to say be be um, content. Certainly, you can't be content because there's a lot of things to learn uh, out there. A lot of lessons, mini lessons, big lessons, whatnot. So. Satisfying the audience, I think even like I'm having a hard time. Most audience sometimes don't even uh, full comprehend what what I do. <laughs> so um, I think I would. I think the audience will enjoy it as well uh, to see what I would come up if I have an audience. We say um, would what I would bring about to the table because they how, how very it's it's a very uh, humble thing to go through through all this um, and it shows it does show the audience know how to judge themselves so we don't actually have to enforce it onto them what is best or what is a perfect image or whatnot so i don't have to do all that i don't have to do all that worry mm. all right yeah um you mentioned uh, your travels earlier um, let's talk a lot more about that um mm -hmm. What was it like, yeah, to actually go around the country, uh, traveling with your ambulance, and I guess one way or another, um, exposing others to what you do, um, and yeah, I mean, considering that, I think these days, um, a lot more people are so used to photography being instantaneous in a very literal sense, right? So, so how 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 have they been reacting to to what you do? Well, uh, to be fair, I just started in terms of traveling. Of course, there were limitations during the, uh, what we call it, the uh, movement control order time. Uh, and also, well, I was being kept busy uh, in the past as an administrator, as a dean of a faculty. So I don't have much time to do all that traveling. So now, recently, when I move into my current place uh, in the university as a research fellow, and I take the opportunity to prepare myself towards it. So in terms of traveling, I just started just only a few weeks old. So in terms of engagement with people, it does raise uh, excitement in some way when they, uh, especially to those who are of age or certainly are familiar with uh, film-based processes and they sort of wish have a sharing moment or sharing session. Say, oh, I have images of my grandparents, this and that, this and that. Walked into the studio, they shared their, their experiences that they have. So it's 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 a pleasant thing. Uh, it's a it's a nice thing that I see, but only few that I've seen so far. But um, yeah, it, it's it's always that. It's always they 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 were they were curious about about what I do. 
and they just observe and they just say, wow, it's a moment of experience to them as well, which is a nice, pleasant thing. Mm. Have you encountered any uh, younger audience? Now, yes, uh, school school kids. Um, those are jo- those are joy. I mean, actually, they saw they they're a whole lot more curious than the adults. Believe me on that one. They want to know what's that, what's that. Even like lens, the camera, the history of little bit of this and that. And then I speak to them in a language, sort of way they understand. It's like, oh, there's a bit of physics here. There's a lot of chemistry there. And this is what happened to all that. And they sort of really, they get it. They get the idea because fundamentally, they see the things that they study in school is actually being practiced in front of their eyes. It's not just merely in the lab, but actually, there you go. This is how things react, uh, this and that. Um, it, it, it works. Uh, it, I mean, like what I mean, sorry. Uh, I mean, it sort of engaged with them as well. And they, 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 they were fascinated to see science uh, or whatever that they learned to the knowledge of science is actually applicable in, in this area. So they get it. That's what, uh, especially the high school kids. So, of course, they learn advanced science and they see it. And they understood the, uh, well, I suppose, I can't memorize the periodic table chart, but <laughs> so I, I suppose they can do all that much more better than I can. Um, they, they understand the, the principles of it. Mm. Did anyone get inspired to actually even take up yeah, this, this line of photography? I, I don't know. Uh, this one would take time. Inspired... So far, I, I may say so. Uh, I have to apologize if I miss out anyone, but so far, there's only two practitioners currently that I know of. Well, there are a few others. Sorry, my mistake. There are a few other practitioners, but the one that practiced this uh, as a full thing, as a pathways of doing this. Before this, there was, there was a, a good friend of mine, a colleague by the name of Akmal, or we always call him as Morpheus, his, his signature name online. Uh, he's a wet plate practitioner as well. And then currently right now, besides him, him his good self, he, um, pro- I do hope that he goes back to the practice, but he's busy with his day job. Uh, then there's an, another image maker in Ipoh that goes by the name Steve Tan. He has a studio up there, a beautiful studio. Uh, certainly one, uh, you should check it out as well. It's uh, nestled in a, was it uh, Ipoh Old Town, I think. That's the name of the area. So a wonderful setting. Uh, then there's myself that does this. Of course, there are other alternative practitioners such as Jeffrey Lim, Balkis, who does cyanotype. They do their own alternate versions of, of uh, photographic processes. That's correct. So there are many processes in, in the old historical Photography is not just limited to the this few, like such as the daguerreotype, the wet plate collodion, and so forth. But there are many old processes that can be done. So I may take it back. There's not only two. There's a few of us, a number of us, but small. But I'm sure that um, once they understood that things are accessible um, towards obtaining the tools or the chemistries, all of this is a pure commitment. Or investment of time, investment of money. And if they were to understood as well the this sort of commitment, I believe practitioners would surface and they would show themselves. It's something that it cannot be 
immediately ascertain as for now. But it's just the continuity, just as long as they keep on doing the practice. Um, then certainly, there you go. It's a wonderful thing to have a community as well. And we always support each other in one way or the other. I have a sharing knowledge session and all that. So, yeah. Mm. Mm. All right. Okay. Um. So, what's next for you? Mm, I'm yeah. I'm involved in a, a number of uh, projects. Per se. Um. This is a portion of it. Traveling. There are many uh, activities that I map out. It's actually it's kind of kind of like a unexpected as well. You would think that you you sort of we like a put one feet out from the life of academia. You know the day job thing. And you'll be much more freer, but actually you get more busier <laughs> with all this um, non-routine, um, non-routine schedule. So one day I'd be like, I have to go to Malacca. The other day I have to, I have, I have to go to Johor for that, and in, and in Penang and Police. Uh, it's various. I have various projects that um, that I would like to see to finish at the very least. I'm working uh, alongside as well with the back with the prison department, so that's another story on its own. Hopefully, that Hafiz, you have time, uh, we can talk about that on a later stage. That one is very very interesting, part, uh, which is very very cool, and it should be done by towards the end of this year, definitely. So I can't tell it reveal on that until it's done. So it's a wonderful it's a wonderful uh, project indeed. You've been tuning in to I Love KL and that was K. Azrael Ismail, a photographer who owns an ambulance that has been converted into a mobile dark room. That's all we have for this episode of I Love KL. If you miss any part of the show, you can check out the podcast at bfm.my slash ilovekl, our app which you can find via Google Play and the App Store and also Spotify. Don't forget to also follow the station on Twitter at BFM Radio. My name is Sanif Baharudin and you have been tuning in to I Love KL, bringing you closer to the people and places of our capital city. Stay safe and join us again next week only on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.